Welcome to the Supported Living Property Podcast with your host, me, Lisa Brown, the place to learn about supported living property investing. In this episode, Bronwyn Verncombe talks about developing different ways of providing emergency accommodation for people at risk of homelessness or who have been homeless. She shares how she's used purchase lease options to secure property, grow her portfolio and create safe, secure places for people at times of need. Hi Bronwyn, it's great to have you here today. How are you? Hi Lisa, I'm very well enjoying the British sunshine for a change. (laughs) It is, it's such a beautiful day today when we're recording. Um, uh, For those who don't know you, I'll ask you to introduce yourself in a minute Bronwyn, but um, it's really lovely to have you back again because you were my very first guest when I did the Lisa Lives into the Facebook group and I was really terrified and you were such a pro, you were really calm (laughs) and really like, you'd be fine Lisa and I was like, oh my god, what am I doing before we started? (laughs) I remember it very well, I really do. And I was just such an advocate of what you were trying to do at the time. And now look at you. So, yeah, it's oh, it was brilliant. Back. But yeah, so thank you for that comment. Please don't go back and listen to that one if you haven't listened to it, because I'm, I'm sure I'm like ah, ah, all the way through it. But we've got Bronwyn back now and she's going to give us a great update. So for those who don't know you, Bronwyn, do you want to introduce yourself to everyone? Yes, of course. Yes, I'm Bronwyn Verncombe. I'm a property investor down in Hampshire um, and I started investing about eight years ago now. I was a banker in the city. I was working crazy hours, two children, husband, mother, and I just thought there has to be another way. So yeah, I found property eight years ago. I haven't looked back really. Started with HMOs. I have HMOs, holiday lets. I have guest houses. That's what we're going to touch on today. Um, And I do some developments and conversions and things. So yeah, quite a mixed portfolio. Um, But yeah, I absolutely love this game. I also help other people learn as well. So, and I wrote a book. So I'll just finish on that. (laughs) Your dream life. I've got to get that one in. Absolutely. We'll put the links to all of that in the show notes so people can find it, Bronwyn. Absolutely. Um, You know, but you've got so much experience from a whole range of different things. And and the other thing as well that's really exciting about you at the moment is that you, you're not based in the UK most of the time, are you? So you're managing all of this stuff from for our doing exciting travelling and, and living abroad. And yeah, yeah well, that, that really was the purpose, really, was to escape our corporate jobs, both my husband and me, um, so that we could go do the stuff that we've always dreamed of doing. And hence my book, Building Your Dream Life. And it was very much our passion to do the things that we wanted to do. So John sailed around the world, would you believe, on the Clipper Yacht Race. That was the catalyst because that had a start point and an end point. So for us, it was how do we make sure that we can both go around the world? And I followed him and not have to worry about managing our property business. So that really was the catalyst back in 2017. And then during lockdowns, we were away in Africa pretty pretty much the whole time. So um, we, we, we traveled, we volunteered in Namibia and then we shipped our car over and we've ended up in Zanzibar off the coast of Tanzania. So normally I'd be doing this from there amazing um, and and you're obviously your your facebook feed is always full of amazing photos so anyone who's not following yes. <laughs> when please do it's well worth it for the for the excitement of that but obviously we're here to talk about um with the work that you've been doing with your guest houses and i think it um it's a really interesting um approach so if you want to talk a little bit about those and just tell people what it is that you do yes we we were we were doing a lot of hmos as our primary strategy and it was very competitive and you know, quite hard work to actually create an HMO from scratch. And we just sort of, in our 
second year, I suppose, nearly third year, it was let's start doing bigger deals. So we were, we were looking at commercial properties, larger properties, with the aim of converting to flats, because we've done, we've done a six flat con conversion. So yeah, long story short, we, we found a property and it had planning permission for short-term letting, and that's what it was doing, was uh, I think it was um, uh, people coming out of prison. Um, they were young people. They were being housed here as a, as a sort of stepping stone for them. And we thought, great, properties in a residential area. It's going to really do well with a conversion to flats. So we, we, we bought it and we thought, while we get the planning permission, what should we use it? You know, let's earn some money because we had a bridging loan on it. And we thought, OK, we'll let the rooms out. And that started our sort of learning of how do you do short-term letting? I've done holiday letting, but how do you do short-term letting in a city centre? And where's the demand? So we, we did all sorts of things. We did, you know, contractors, mental health step down, NHS. That started our, our look into charities. The charities led us through to councils. The councils led us to emergency housing. And we thought, okay, this is where the demand is. And we tried all of them, really. We, 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 the mental health was a, was a real struggle. <laughs> um, loved them, you know, they were hugely in need and we didn't want to provide um, supported living, which is, you know, we wanted, we wanted to have somebody live in, mm. but we didn't, we didn't want to provide that level of service. That sort of higher level care and support. It's, 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 it's skilled, isn't it? It requires somebody who really knows what they're doing to manage. It's massively skilled. And, the, and in that first year of buying that property, you know, we were around, we weren't traveling at that point. And, you know, I was often in the property and, you know, I, I recognized how difficult it was for our living manager. So, yeah, so we, we found council emergency housing by building that relationship with the council. We also had our agent manager who also provided rooms in his pub uh, for council. So he actually had the better relationships with the council than we did. So what we did was we got him to work with us. He, he let the rooms on our behalf. Um, he built that relationship with them and he basically filled out 26 rooms of that property um, very, very well. Um, and we recognised then through the numbers that this is something that would work for us and for our investors. Um, and then after that first year, you know, we, you know, we spoke to the council. The council told us, you know, that they had demand for certain things. We refurbished and then we expanded um, and then we, we did a, a purchase lease option on a bed and breakfast that was empty. We've got two other long leases on empty properties. One was a bed and breakfast, and then we've bought another one as well. So we've now got five properties, um, mostly, well, mostly council, but three years ago, we started doing street homeless, which was very unique at the time. Um, and the council actually asked us, they said, we've got this opportunity for a grant. We know it's an issue for the city. We don't want to have to find the properties. We don't have the properties ourselves, but we know that you're interested in this stuff and we know you. So, so we actually did a purpose built sort of technique of a, of a property to try it out and to see if we could work with the council with street homeless and that we could work together because what we, again, we didn't want to do the, the hands-on really support. So we said to the council, if we provide the rooms, 
you um, provide the uh, social worker uh, connection and the security if needed and that was their suggestion actually because some 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 people if they're drug dependents uh, can be quite violent at times so we trialed it and it worked really well um, so we've expanded that as well especially during covid <laughs> So, so that what size was that building Bronwyn for the homelessness project How we started with we started with 12 rooms and we had a live-in manager the manager had, for individuals who'd been street homeless yes these mm. are individuals who are on the street currently um, and they expressed an interest they wanted to come off the street and of course mm. we know that some street homeless don't they're actually quite happy with their life but during covid the council came to us and said we have to take everybody off the street whether they want to or not mm. now that was a very different situation um, and we actually dedicated one of our other properties to that and that was um that was 18 rooms so we expanded into that because we knew that it was working and we knew that yes it, it might be a little bit more challenging but the council were there to help us because they were given funding to help um during the COVID period mm, mm. and we were actually home during that first lockdown as well so we were out trying to get food because these people you know we didn't have we didn't have kitchens and rooms at that at that point so we were actually working with the charities to actually provide food as well for for the for those street homeless so yeah we um yeah we sort of got the council emergency housing which is pretty standard on the 26 bedroom and then we've got these other two that were street homeless. That's relaxed now because we don't need both of those properties. So we still have the 12 bed. Mm -hmm. And then we bought another property next door to the purchase lease option property uh, that came on the market. And we've dedicated that and refurbished that for step up for street homeless step up for council emergency as well. So this is where they might stay a little bit longer. They've got uh, cooking facilities within the room and um, it's completely refurbished and brand new. So um, it, it gives them a bit more independence. Um, because there's the cooking facilities and things there. You mean. And there's washing facilities, there's, mm -hmm. there's a laundry, laundry facility. And then our manager lives next door. So again, it gives them more independence. You haven't got somebody on the premises. And quite often they're starting working as well. So this is what the council asked us, you know, told us to do. We, we found the property. We, we went to the council and said, what is it that you really need next? Uh, how can we make this work? Is, is it, you know, are the numbers going to work for us? Mm. So, so that's what we did a couple of years ago now. And I think what this really clearly demonstrates is that relationship building, you know, it, it's that, you know, you, you start building relationships, you start solving a problem for the local authority, they're going to come back to you more and more and say, actually, can you do this? Can you know, delivering, it sounds like a really high quality product, Bronwyn, I'm sure it is knowing you, you know, so the properties are probably really well managed, you know, and actually, then, then that means that people are going to come back and it works really well for both of you, doesn't it? So you can carry on growing and supporting. It's, it's the demands, Lisa, you know, the, the key thing here is you don't really know because it's all hidden from you. You know, these people are, are, are chucked into smelly bed and breakfasts and sometimes into travel lodges and things and they're forgotten about. And they, you know, quite often they're with family and they have separate rooms. They've got to vacate the property in the morning and come back in the afternoon. You know, and I, I actually did a bit of um, 
you know, mystery shopping, I actually went out and had a look at some of these other places where people are placed <laughs> temporarily. Of course, we know temporarily is not just a few nights. How long is it normally, um, do you think, in your experience? Yeah, it can be um, two weeks minimum, but mm. quite often a couple of months before mm. they then move on to, you know, more secure accommodation for longer term. Mm. Uh, but what we found was we started with Southampton uh, City Council. And then what happened was that because the demand is so high, all the councils speak to each other. So the emergency housing unit, the um, families unit, um, the homeless units, they all talk to each other because they've all got to place people quickly. Mm. And so they're all on the phone. So we were getting calls from Portsmouth. Um, a lot of demand in Portsmouth and then Eastleigh and um, Gosport. So all along that South Coast corridor, even Bournemouth at times, they would be phoning us and saying, have you got, have you got a room? Wow. That's why we expanded. Mm. So the 26 rooms were, were occupied pretty quickly. And then we realised that this is a much bigger market where, you know, up to an hour, hour and a half, people were, were put in taxis and to us so that's how bad it was in a way Mm. um but recently Portsmouth have actually got their own properties now so that's that's a good thing yeah (laughs) people in Portsmouth Uh, people don't want to be traveling an hour generally do they they want to be where they they are in their community yeah it's it's it can be quite quite sad at times and you know I have been in the property when the police have arrived with with a family um, and this has been sort of safeguarding issues and mm. domestic violence and things like that and you just that's when you realize what you're providing um, for people is safe secure warm environments with somebody on hand who's there um, and yeah it it's it's a fantastic opportunity not only for the council but for us as investors as well, because there is a good return on investment. You know, we're not a charity. We are doing this um, for us and for our investors. And yeah, if you work together, you can actually get a win-win. And that's that's the point really in this, in this game. And I think the other thing that's really interesting about the way that you've done this is that you've used some quite creative financing strategies, haven't you, to get hold of these buildings, you know, um, going from fairly, you know, medium sized HMOs up to some of these quite big buildings. That was that quite daunting. How did that feel? Mm. Now, it's interesting because, yes, going commercial from residential is completely different. But actually what we found and through through sort of being mentored and things early days was that in a way, it's a little bit easier. You're more in control. So we were able to negotiate much better for larger properties. So the first one we actually bought, um, we bought uh, from the charity that owned it, but we negotiated. So it was on at £950,000. And we were like, crikey, that's a lot of money. Um, But we bought it for 700. So you can see how you can negotiate. Um, but then the, the next strategy for us was purchase lease option. So we, we were looking for empty properties and there were quite a few at that, at that time in, in Southampton and Portsmouth. And we were saying, you know, well, what's empty? And yeah, keeping an eye on right move, looking at what's on the market, what's for rent, 
but also empty. And this property that I'd seen on Rightmove for sale, that sold at a silly amount, <laughs> came back on the market. Right. And that was like, okay, quick. It was yeah. on with a private agent. Again, a quick sort of, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It wasn't with a commercial agent. So went to see it over a bank holiday, phoned up the agent, said, can I come and see it tomorrow? <laughs> and they said, yes. Saw Brilliant. it the private agent and then saw it with the vendor the following week and that's when we realized that all the boxes were ticked for purchase lease option they didn't need the funds now he right. bought it in cash he didn't know what he was going to do with the money so it was a perfect situation to say well why don't we give you a return on that money now um, but we would like to be have the option to buy it in say five or six years time so, yeah, it took a few months to negotiate, but it's a perfect relationship. And that's the one that we literally last week completed on. And we bought it. So we're five years, five years on and we bought it. It wasn't easy in this current market. No. Had you agreed the price at the time when you set, when you set the lease option? Yeah. Yes, we had. And that's quite interesting. I probably would have negotiated better with hindsight what a better <laughs> price a better price yeah, yeah yeah I think we were quite motivated at the time but also he he's a property person so he was yeah. very good at negotiating <laughs> um but however you know it's still a brilliant property we've put a lot of money into it we've improved it and um and it works really well in fact that's one that we we do have as a as a public um sort of holiday lets not holiday let but guest house so yeah. that one is is one that we spent some money on and and made it nice so um yes that that was a purchase lease option and then a couple more were potential purchase lease options uh one again empty empty bed and breakfast phoned the number on the um the hood that was falling about falling down over the front door <laughs> just literally phoned the number and said oh, is this your property? Um, what's happening with it? And we met up with him and he'd, he'd actually been renting the rooms out over a period of time and had got tired of, of, uh, of the business. So we said, well, why don't we rent it from you, give you an income? Mm. Uh, he didn't want to sell it, however. So right. we did a long lease there. So we've got like a 15-year lease. Or was it 12 years? 12 years. Uh, on that one um, so that's working quite well and then another one somebody approached us so we got got known in the area people were talking and this guy approached us and said I've got a property I'm finishing off renting it out would you like to rent it from us um, and it was quite run down actually um, mm -hmm. and we thought okay maybe we could we could do something with that one so yeah, and then we've bought the one next door. So yes, these 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 strategies are really important because cash flow is king. You know, this is, you know, we were running out of money very easily, very quickly. So we what we didn't want to do was use capital, um, and we wanted to build up the business over a period of time so that we could then get mortgages based on the business and the turnover of the business. So our negotiation um, with the lenders now is very different because our turnover is, you know, is very, is very good, even during COVID, of course. So lenders have been quite interested and happy to lend, um, even during this, this horrible period. It's been harder. We've had to answer a lot more questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's taken a lot longer, a lot longer, but... You know, we gave ourselves a year <laughs> before the option expired, at least a year. 
and we needed all of that time yeah we needed all of that time to complete it but but yeah great strategies lots of different strategies out there and i think you know education and knowledge about these strategies is really important and that's why i love to teach people and help people learn as well Mm. Um, it's one of my favorite bits of property to be honest is the finding the property negotiating and finding innovative strategies and finding investors as well. It's something that I, I love doing. The, the managing bit, I'm not so interested in. But it sounds like you, you bring uh, in managers to, to, do, to do your day-to-day management anyway, don't we you? Do. We yeah. do, because from day one with this, it's, it's about us doing other things, adventures abroad. Mm-hmm. And there's no way we could have spent the last two years traveling in Africa without without having really good people on the ground. Mm. So that has taken, again, taken a while to, to bed in, but also the systems have to be there as well. So we need to be really happy and comfortable that the, the, the businesses are operating efficiently and effectively, but are also really safe. And, um, you know, we have, we have good fire systems, we have CCTV, uh, we have really good booking systems now that integrate with zero, which wasn't the case when we first started out. When we first started, we had a whiteboard. <laughs> we had a whiteboard on the side. <laughs> that was our room booking system. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we had a phone. <laughs> that was it. Now we've got really good systems. Yeah. And uh, well, we have to because we have 90, 95 rooms. Um, yeah across different properties so and if you're working with different local authorities as well invoicing I know that can be a challenge with local authorities can't don't, mention, don't mention the uh the invoicing route so yes for listeners this is this is not long term this is short-term letting so this is letting from a few a few weeks a few nights even up to three months and sometimes longer we've had asylum seeker for example that stayed with us for a year and a half a <laughs> family um, but anyway, so this this is short term. So um, what we do with we don't have contracts with the councils. OK, there is no contract there that says, you know, we let you rooms. Mm. Uh, we have an understanding and we have a room rate that we've agreed with the council. But they phone us up and they say, can you house this person, this family? And we say, yes, this is this is the right property for them. And what we will then do is invoice them. So so we'll invoice them every week, every week, uh, every uh, couple of weeks, something like that. And then some councils require a purchase order number before we can invoice. So we have to wait for that. Some councils don't. Some emergency family will sometimes do a credit card payment and every council is different. So we have to build our systems so that we can uh, adapt that so that it's really clear for our managers how we do which council. And then there are exceptions and uh, all sorts of issues on the administration. So, yes, it's not not us managing that now. We have a team of people. I have my daughter who's doing a lot of the administration now. And I often turn to her and say, can you just sort this this mess out? (laughs) Um, but, but all credit to our managers you know our managers have been there from the start our what I call our agent manager um, Colin and his wife fantastic you know we've had our ups and downs we've had the big issue during Covid when suddenly it was all hands to deck mm. um, and they have been fantastic 
Um, so yes, we always sort out our issues together and uh, we build this business together. And yeah. But it's very much a business, isn't it? It's very much, a, you know, you, you need a team around you, you need your systems. And, and it's not because you've not got a guaranteed contract with the local authorities. I guess that does put an element of risk into the business. You know, if yeah. they suddenly decided they were going to go with someone else, it's unlikely because yeah. we all know how short the accommodation is currently. But, you know, that, mm. that I guess is a risk for you guys, isn't it, that you have to factor into the business? It has. And it has been because Portsmouth took their business, mm. you know, back in-house. Mm. And actually that's right. It's right for the council to do that. They shouldn't mm. be paying third parties, really. No. Uh, you know, the government should be putting funding in for this. So we always knew that would happen and it will happen. I hope it will happen with other councils across the country. Um, but, you know, there is need. There is always need. So you take the street homeless situation and you take other other charities and other needs. Mm. Um, there will always be need for something in an emergency. Um, but it needs to be, you know, not not a hotel. It needs to be somewhere that understands how how people might be feeling um, that offers somewhere that that feels safe and that is a home from home um, and safe and secure and that's that's really what we're all about um, you know we've refurbished we've improved where where the street homeless go it's not as good of course as as some of the other places we have but it's a starting point and you know what we say is if you if you can um, if you can give people a chance and this is the big thing you know the social worker if somebody comes in and says okay now you're in a, a place it has an address you can start to come into that system of be of getting back into society and helping yourself then that's what we're doing we're giving people that chance we're putting our hands out and saying here you go this is an opportunity we don't provide the service of, of the hand, but we provide the safety and the security of a place to, to live. Um, and yeah, it's not all roses, but no, I, I can imagine. But so, but so important and, you know, and it works well from a property point of view as well. So Bronwyn, thank you for sharing all of that with us. It's been really, really useful. It's been great chatting to you again. And we'll drop your contact details into the show notes so people want to find you and, and find your book and stuff. It'll all be there. So thank you pleasure always happy to chat to people who want to learn a bit more so find me contact me book a chat with me uh, always happy to help and mentor people elsewhere thanks Bronwyn take care bye thank you for listening today if you want to find out more please go to my website www.lisabrown.uk where you can download a free guide to supported living property